Now we are jumping into a conversation today that extends off of the series that we are in. We started a couple weeks ago a series called Winning Where It Matters. Matthew 16, we'll talk about if you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you let go of your life, you'll find it. What good is it to gain the world and lose your soul? This whole, this is the whole premise inside of here. On We're living lives, we're making choices. What good is it if we're living and our choices don't necessarily matter to God? They just matter to man. And so what good is it that we would gain this world and all that it has to offer? What good would it be to, 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 to make choices that honor men but dishonor God? And we, we could gain the whole world in this process, but we get to the end of it all and God's like, yeah, you just missed the mark completely. Winning where it matters, we're talking about, let's have the conversation on putting our decisions in alignment with our values. Week number one, I blew up the values. What do you value? Why do you value it? You want to know just very quickly, if you weren't here, go back and watch the message. It's amazing. But here's the deal. Where you spend your time and where your money is what you value. Wherever it is, time and money is going to tell you quickly what you value. Week number one, hopefully your values are in alignment with the things that God values. If you get to the end of your life and you stand before God, but you lived your life to honor men, you're going to be disappointed when you get to the end of it all. If no man is with you on the day of judgment day, why do we care so much about the world thinks? We should care what God thinks. Week two, last week we talked about an identity crisis. What is an identity crisis? When you don't know who you are, you don't know where you come from, and you don't know what you're called to do. But as believers, we know who we are. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. What are we called to do? Serve God faithfully. Who's our heavenly father? Well, we don't, we don't have daddy issues anymore. We know he's God. Amen. We ain't got no more daddy issues. We have a heavenly father that knit us in our mother's womb. The third thing is we know what our purpose is. We're loving God and loving people, and we get a talent to do something specific as we do what God has called us to do. Well, we're going to talk about the family today, the family dynamics. Now, maybe you're in here today and you're like, I am a young person. Well, one day you're going to have a family, so take some notes and get ready for what's about to come because it's going to rock your world the day that it comes. You're selfish. You're independent. You're doing your thing right now. But just get ready. You have to lay that down the moment that you come together with somebody and you're, you're creating this family dynamic. If you are married or maybe you're married in here without any children yet, you need to make sure that this marriage is on point, okay? So we're going to get into some dynamic or, or some conversations here today. I'm going to be very practical with you, just some learning, some, some direct conversations, some bullet point things that you can institute, apply to your family dynamics that maybe will give you some direction, give you some clarity on, on what should be happening, maybe uh, help you have the courage to step in and, and uh, think a little different and act a little different. So we're going to jump into this here today. If you want to take notes, write this across the top, top of your paper. My home, my responsibility. My home, my responsibility. If you got a home, it's your responsibility. Even if it's maybe you're a young person and you got an apartment or you do have a home, maybe whatever it is. Maybe you're single and you're not married and you don't have, the family's not in the mix yet. It's your home, it's your responsibility. Cool thing is you can take ownership of that house today before anybody else comes along for the journey. How many guys have ever been when you were growing up into some homes that you picked up very quickly that there was some dysfunction going down? Anybody? You walked in, you're like, oh, this is a hoarder home. (laughs) They got some stuff everywhere, right? There's stuff everywhere. You're like, okay, that's how it rolls around here. Uh, have you ever, like, walk, have you ever like, grown up, gone to a friend's house and been like, I don't know if I can touch anything. Everything is so well put together. You been there? Right? All those north side folks, you know. <laughs> That's how we were from, you know, north siders. All your houses are pretty. Mm-hmm. 
But there, there's, there's, there's multiple different home dynamics that ha- operate, right? Homes and how they're put together, the family dynamic and what's going on. I, I, I was growing up and I, I, there was a friend of mine that I went into their home and man, well, I mean, great home, but it looked like the dynamics inside of the home were a little off. He would be super disrespectful to his parents and I'm like, oh my God, if I did that, I, would, I don't know if I'd be alive yet. Or I'd still be alive. I don't know if I'd be alive still. You know, it's like, ah, uh, the multiple different situations. I mean, what was going on in different types of home, different atmospheres? Another friend of mine, you went into the home and you're like, I don't know if they clean this ever. Actually, I don't know. It's like kind of tiptoeing around. You're like, oh, sh- maybe I should clean it. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but the question I'd ask for you today is what was your home like? What was the dynamics of your home? I can still remember in my home the smell of, uh, enchilada pie, oh. enchilada casserole. You know what I'm talking about? Like a seven layers down. Oh, I can still smell it to this day. Maybe if yours was tortillas or barbecue or whatever it was, can you still smell it? Can you think of what it looked like inside of your home? Those late Sunday nights, I can still remember the the the, the football dun, 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 dun. after church and the sun coming through the sunlight in the afternoon and being like sleeping. I love it. Still love it to this day. Do you remember the dynamics of your parents and how they treated each other? How they loved and cared for each other and, and took care of each other? Do you remember the, the family dynamic, your, your sibling dynamics, like uh, were they good? Like I almost killed my brother a couple times choking him out. And I remember it to this day, his face turning blue and the moments of siblings and fighting and, and, and support and encouragement and hopes and dreams and all the, you remember what your family was like. You remember the, the atmosphere that was created. You remember the family times you had, those vacations you went on, the times in which, in which your dad took you um, to some really sketchy places and did some really sketchy things. Not like sketchy bad, but just like my dad took me on a roller coaster like at four years old and I'm still tra- traumatized to this day. But that's what dads do. Put your kids in harm's way. You remember. Good, bad, or ugly, you remember. Here's the reality. The same way you think about your childhood and your growing up is the same thing your kids are going to think about in 20 years. Whatever you are doing today is going to be the memories that are branded in the minds of your children Tomorrow. It's your home, it's your responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility, it's your responsibility. Whatever decisions you are making today inside of the home is leaving a lasting memory in the lives of your children. Whether you are an individual that is broken and hurting and you're in desperate need of some help inside of your life, if you don't get that help to fix whatever brokenness is in you, it will be something that you pass on to your children. The reality is whatever funk you come from, you got to get it out the trunk so it doesn't become a part of your children's journey. you got to deal with the issues so that you can have a life and create a life of, uh, of opportunity for your children, create a life of health and growth for your children. You know, the institution of the home is the oldest and it is the most sacred institution that God has established here on this earth. It is the oldest and the most sacred. God called Adam out, created, created woman. It's good to have a helpmate. You create, then they have a children. Be fruitful and multiply. The, the family dynamic is not man's idea, it's God's idea. 
God created the dynamics of the family, and he has a certain way that he expects it to happen. The, the, the inner workings, how it operates, the strength that happens with inside of it. Building on man's concepts and ideas will only bring brokenness, but man, we can institute the behaviors that God has designed for the marriage dynamic, designed for the family dynamic, designed for the home. We will operate in a place that is beautiful, that brings opportunity for our children to walk in health and healing for all that God has destined them to do. Now you think about the home, you see what it is. There's a design and there's a structure around it. What I want to first do is frame a perspective around how you can look at the home and each space that operates inside of the home. Each has a function. And with that, we should, we should honor what the function is and then institute behaviors to step into those atmospheres with the right perspective that maybe our homes aren't just spaces and places in which we exist, but it's places in which we develop behaviors and characters to raise a generation, to operate in a place of health and healing inside of our families that we can um, be a blessing and enjoy life, raise children that understand what they're called to do to accomplish what God has set out for them to do. So number one, I'd say this, the first thing that happens in your house is there's a front door. And with that front door, there's a place called the entry. The entry is where you welcome people into your house. What is entry and welcome? When somebody comes into your house, it's honor. It's the place in which you get to honor whoever it is that's walking, to, walking into your house. It's the entry. It's a behavior in which we should operate in as a family. Like we are, we're parents, we're here, we honor, and we welcome people into our house. See the entry as that, as that place. You know, the second place I'd say is the living room. The living room is a place where you can have a blast, have fun. You know, uh, one of the things that the girls love doing right now uh, with, with the family is family movie night. Heather does all the popcorn and the hot chocolates, although it's 150 degrees outside. And it's like, family movie night. And they're watching whatever latest movie is. And, and we're, we're in there and we're just having a great time. It's family movie night. But what is it? Inside of the living room space is a place where we can have fun. I remember growing up and we'd play board games inside of the living room. I remember growing up and it was a place in which we would get around and we would worship together as a family, a ministry family. That's how we operated. Maybe you should still do it. It would be awesome. But it's a place in which the family can have fun. Whenever you're having fun, you're connecting. You're growing in relationship. You're moving, you know, the, the, the interpersonal dynamics are going down. And there's growth that's happening in relationship. What happens whenever you get into the kitchen, though? You can't get beyond the responsibility of the kitchen. In the kitchen, there's a responsibility. It's not my favorite in the whole world. Um, but the kitchen comes with responsibility. Everybody's got to have their hands in in order for the product of something to come out that everybody can enjoy. The kitchen represents responsibility. Now, here's the deal. You should never absolve your children or allow your children not to be in the kitchen. You want them in the kitchen. The whole family should be in the kitchen. At some point in time, obviously, these are things we're pushing towards, but you want everybody helping in. Our little youngest, Bryn, today, she loves being in the kitchen just to help however. How can I help dad? How can I help mom? What can I do? She's in there like on her little chair. She's got a chair. She'll step up, and she's trying to pour stuff in, and she just, but she's in. She's, she's taking responsibility. Ability, raising a generation to take responsibility. You know, another space is the dining room. Once the food is cooked and it's on a table, now people are sitting down together and eating together. When you eat with somebody, you're dining with somebody, you're looking them in the eyes, and you're having conversations that are real. If you're a young person in here today, the idea of sitting down with your parents at a dinner table may be foreign, but you look 50 years ago, it was commonplace for the family dynamic. Oh, I think we need to bring the dining room back. 
I think we need to have a space and a place in which we turn off all devices and we sit down and we look at each other in the eye and say, what's your world look like? What's on your heart? What are you walking through? What is your issues? How can I support you? Hey, I love you. You did a great job. That test, it's all right. You're going to do better next time. A time in which connection can happen. We live in a world that's overabsorbed with so much busyness that we're losing sight of the connectivity, that dining room time. Sit down, man, open up a sandwich, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be about the meal, but it is all about the people around the table. Now here's, we have the bedroom. Bedroom's a place of rest. You want to have that space and that place in which rest can happen. If you're married inside of here, it's a place of intimacy. The Bible would tell us that keep your marriage bed holy. Don't defile that marriage bed. That's, for, that's a different conversation for a different day. We're not going to jump into that. But it's a place for rest and intimacy inside of the bedroom. Now, everybody's got restrooms inside of your house. And if you do, you got to be careful because that's where you deal with your stuff, right? You deal with your stuff inside of the restroom. Now, if you change the dynamics of how you see the home, each one is cultivating a different character or a different behavior, a different learning element inside of the home, that each space is doing something to help cultivate the dynamics of a family that is united. You got to deal with your stuff, if you're not dealing with your stuff and having real conversations and connectivity, all that stuff lingers around. And you know what happens whenever you sweep stuff under the rug. One, it doesn't get cleaned up. And two, when you open it back up, it stinks. So you got to deal with your stuff. Handle your issues. Amen? The Bible would say this in Psalms 127. It says this in Psalms 127. I think they go together here. Psalms 127 says, Unless the Lord builds a house... The work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with uh, centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. If God doesn't establish the home, if God is not the, the, the reference for how we build the home, then it's wasted. It's useless. Why are we working so hard to try to gain and gather that we'll find rest in this hard labor? No, no, no. God's the one that gives rest. So I love how it speaks in here. Whenever you build a house, you're building it on the Lord. The Lord is establishing this house. His principles, his word is establishing this house. And this home will serve the Lord. But he moves on inside of here. The latter part of the chapters, you get the home, and then he talks about the children. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a uh, reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in, the, in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame whenever he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Two things talked about in here. The Lord establishes the house. And hey, parents, your children are a blessing from God. They are arrows inside of our quiver. They are a blessing of the Lord. What is it? Get your mind in the right set. You are the owner of your house. You take responsibility. It is your house. And with that, the responsibility of children. They are a blessing. See them as a blessing. See them as arrows in your quiver that you have an opportunity to develop them, cultivate them, and send them out to all the what God has set them out to do. Number one, write this down, own your home. First thing you got to do is own your home. If you're going to build upon the Lord, the Lord is establishing your house, then it comes with the home has got to operate as God would want it to. As a father and mother leaves, or a father leaves his father and mother, or 
Husband leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. What does it say? The two become one. The two become one. The one mentality has to say, I let go of me and I step into the realm of we. It's no longer just me, what I want to see happen, how I want to see happen. It's no longer I just get to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it, how I want to do it. It's I'm in a we conversation. We are together on this journey of building what God has established. It's not our idea. It's God's idea. Here's the secular world. The secular world says, hey, do what you want when you want how you want. You are your own person, not when you get married. According to God, it says you have 50, I mean, you have left yourself and you have joined to another and the two have become one. You're together. That's what you said. We're together, all in. No longer are we seen as one. We're are seen as two. We're seen as one. We're one, uh, one relationship, one person building this house. Jesus would reference this in uh, Mark chapter 3. Jesus references this when he's talking about being accused of casting out demons and being cahoots with the devil. He references the home as a part of this dynamic. He would say this, a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Division, things will collapse. Then he references the family. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will what? Fall apart. You want to know the number one reason why marriages are falling apart today? Lack of commitment. You look 20 years ago, it was different. Money and communication were the two things. Today, the number one thing Studies show that, fa- that couples are separating is lack of commitment. You know what you say on your wedding day? <laughs> Till death do us part. For richer or poorer, sickness and health, I will be here. And they, we both say, okay, yeah. Right, the emotion, is that emotional or is that a commitment by our word? Jesus says, let your yeses be your yeses, your noes be your noes. Be a man of commitment. You lived back then, you were only established by your word. You were nobody if you never kept your word. This generation, you can say something, do something completely different, and nobody cares the less. Lack of commitment is destroying marriages today because individuals are saying, it's, I'm here till the moment that you don't do what I want you to do. And with that, <laughs> separation. Okay, it was fun for a while. I loved you, but I just fell out of love. And uh, really? It's the instituting a marriage based on the man's ideas, not God's. God says, stick it out. God says, stay in it. God says, fight for it. Fight for this thing that I've established. Don't give in. Don't give up. Just because it gets hard, just because you don't feel it. You know, it takes time. Sometimes, I mean, you don't always love the, your spouse. That's not the reality, right? If, if, you were all, if your marriage always existed in the state of how you felt on your wedding day, you would be a crack addict. <laughs> because that's just a one day, everybody's there, a lot of money is spent, everything's beautiful, everybody's cheering you on. But guess what? Marriage is not that day. That's the day to establish it and make the commitment and say, hey, everybody, hold us accountable to what we're saying right here. We're about to step out into the real world that has real problems, real issues, real challenges, real struggles, real temptation, and we need you to hold us accountable. When we start acting a fool, we need you to knock us out of the head. When we start acting dumb and making bad decisions, call us on the phone and say, what are you doing? You've lost your mind. 
Hold us accountable to the commitment we made because the real world is hard. If marriage every day was like, yeah, yeah, baby, it's not the way it is. Love is the constant commitment to actions to care for another person, laying down your life for the sake of another. That's it. It's commitment. I said it then, I will do it now. I said it then, I will do it now. I am a person of my word. I don't back down and I don't give in. I keep on fighting for the thing I committed to. If we build a behavior right here, if you're dating in here today, if you are building a behavior today that you are not dating to marry, what you are doing is setting yourself up for, for failure inside of marriage. Because you'll date today and it's not good and I don't feel it and I don't like it. I'm going to go on to the next and then on to the next and then on to the next and then on to the next. It's all based on the emotional feelings you have. But love is not the emotional. It's part of it. But unconditional love is a part of it. Friendship love is a part of it, right? Then the intimate stuff gets involved in there. If you're dating today just to date, you could be setting up a behavior that now when you get married, it doesn't feel right. You just move on. You move on. It's commitment. God has established it that we stay in the trenches. We fight for it. We fight for the thing that God has established to create unity and create opportunity and create development. If kids are always looking at parents that are running and going and doing and acting a fool, they will develop the same behaviors. God says where there's unity, he will command his blessing. Where there's unity, he will command his blessing. You as the parents know the funk that's in the junk, deal with the funk. Deal with the issues, deal with the problems, deal with the challenges, deal with the breakdowns of communication, deal with the disagreements, deal with the issues. So your kids will grow up in a home where there's unity and connection. There's not division where it's falling apart. There's unity where it's being built up. Amen. The second thing I would say is this. Second thing you got to do is you got to make it memorable. The thing about, the thing about um, family and the family dynamic is there's just mundane things that go on. Right? There, there's the cleaning of the house. That's a responsibility. Yay, we get to clean it so we don't look like hoarders and dirty people. Right? You ever have somebody like coming over and you're like power cleaning ah! and they get there and you're like sweating. You're like, what's wrong? I was like, ah, I just got, got done with a run. <laughs> Ready. You ever been there? You got cleaning, you got cooking, you got picking up after each other's, you know, picking up after each other, you know, sometimes that's just the way it happens. You got mundane things that go on. You got homework that happens inside of the home. You got bills that you're paying. There's just a lot of mundane things that are going on. But our responsibility as parents are to make it memorable. That's what our responsibility is. We want to make it memorable. We want to make it enjoyable. We want to make it fun, right? So there's things that we have to do, but then there's the things that we get to make it. We get to make it the memorable things, like the things that we do that make it memorable. If you can think back to the things that were memorable for you in your upbringing, how did your parents make things memorable for you? Did y'all do the yearly vacations? Did y'all do the family reunions? Man, we need to bring family reunions back. Anybody still do family reunions? Good. All the families getting together. The, the memorable things. The memorable things where our parents were up in the stands, right? We make it memorable. I'm like, man, our parents are present. They're there. We, they're seeing us do whatever we do. That's memorable, right? I love how uh, Chip and Dan, he say that in the book, Power of Moments, they make this statement I think is good. It says, our lives are measured in moments, and defining moments are the ones that endure in our memories. They're made up of little moments. And these are the things that endure in our memories. It's our responsibility to make them memorable. 
How are we making these moments memorable? What are we doing on a daily basis? We got the mundane things that are happening, but how are we making them memorable? How are we establishing them in the minds of our children? How are we establishing them in the minds of our spouses? What are we doing to bring things together that our families are, 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 are loving life and enjoying? It's our responsibility to make them memorable. Now think about this, Genesis 22. Abraham takes his son Isaac, according to, the, uh, according to God, take him over to a mountain, take the wood with him, with you. We're going to sacrifice your son there. What does Abraham do? He grabs Isaac and they go marching off. Right when they lay the altar out, he lays his son Isaac on the altar. He's about to sacrifice his child just as God asked him to. And then all of a sudden there's a ram in the thicket. There's a moment in time where God provides a different way, a solution to what he asked him to do. And he pulls his son off the altar, grabs the ram, sacrifices the ram, sacrifices him right there on the altar. Now imagine this, Isaac later on in life. And he's like, you know what, Dad? I was really memorable that one time you almost killed me, remember? (laughs) Come on, dads. It's memorable. It's a memorable moment. Now, God orchestrated it, yes, but it's a memorable moment. It's in the mind. It's branded in the mind of Isaac that that time he had with his dad, the time he had with his, his, his father, that they were together doing this thing, and yes, it had these circumstances, but it's branded in there. What, what can we do as parents in order to brand in the minds of our children that we love them, we care for them, we believe in them, we support them, We are here to see them grow. What can we do? It's our responsibility to make it memorable. That's why at the end of every single attraction, like amusement park, what do they have? They have the the whole like memorabilia shop, right? You got kids in there. What is it? Moments they want to create. Remember that time you bought me this? Like, no, remember that time I said no to that? Remember that time I went with you on that ride? Remember that time I walked with you in life? Remember? We create the moments and the memories. So if you want to have a house, making it memorable, you got to have clear direction on what exactly you will do. Who are you called to be? What are you called to do? I can look back at my house and I say, man, our family at value was, we went to church. It didn't matter what, when, where, how, we were in church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were in church. Now here's the deal for every parent inside of here establishing this into your home is going to make it memorable for your children. We were a family that went to church. The Bible says train a child in the way they should go. When they are older, they will not depart from it. When we lay the foundation of what we do, how we do it, how we operate in this house, we lay a foundation that our children can stay on inside of the future. They may not like it. They may kick and buck. That's fine. But if we live something consistently, we will establish something uh, um, long-lasting for our children. We establish it. It is what we do. The Bible would say this. The Bible says this in Joshua 24, and I love how Joshua made this statement. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors, or your ancestors' worship. When they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors Your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. A clear statement Joshua made, and here's the two things he's saying. Are you going to serve the gods of the past? Are you going to serve the gods of the present? Are you going to make a decision to serve the God of all creation? 
I'm going to make the decision to serve the God of all creation. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And establishing that clearly, you're making it memorable that church is important. Faith is important. God is important. We're here. We're present. We're available. We're inside of this place. It's consistently what we do. It's a decision which we make that empowers us for the home, empowers us for our relationships, empowers us for our personal walk. We are going to be the leaders to establish for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. It's the first thing you have to establish inside of your house. If you are going to be a believer following Jesus, we serve the Lord. We show up. We honor God. First thing. The second thing would be two values I'd say that each one of us inside of here need to establish inside of the home. There may be many other ones in which you, you live by and you do, but there's two things I would say. A value that needs to be representative in the home, and number one would be no surprise, you got to love. Love encompasses so many other behaviors, so many other actions that develop inside of the home. You want a value in which you can point north to? Right? We talked about last week, the word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. The word establishes those things. It brings clarity for the direction in which we're going, clarity for where we are at. Same thing would be true for this right here. Love is the thing that is a value that cultivates unity inside of the house. It creates clarity inside of the house. It creates um, um, strength inside of the house. Love, the first thing off the bat. So with love, you have... Uh, care for each other so we should have action that represents love. If you love each other, there should be actions towards each other that's representing that. You're going to honor, you're going to respect each other. Husbands, love and respect, or husbands and wife, love and respect. Action of love. Children, honor. Parents, don't cause harm to your children, right? That's actions of love. Our words reflect our hearts. We say kind things to each other out of our mouths. We speak love. We speak encouragement. We speak building up. Uh, another thing would be that we encourage each other. We cheer each other on in the journey of life. You're doing a great job. Good job on that. Oh, man, you accomplished that. Good. These are, these are elements of love. And, and with that, so many things flow out of love. But it's a value that's got to be established inside of the home that can be a reference in which you as parents go back to on, hey, that behavior, that action was out of alignment with the value of the home. We don't do that here. We don't act like that here. We don't talk like that here. We support each other. We encourage each other. Now, our kids are going through a moment in time right now where it's like, you're so ugly. And they start saying stupid stuff like that. It's all for the point of they didn't get what they wanted and they want the other one to feel bad and it's this whole deal. So immediately when they do it, what I say? We don't say that. That's not what you say. That's not true. She's beautiful. She's awesome. She's smart. She's so funny. They're just trying to say things to hurt each other. A value in this home. We love each other. That's what we do around here. So it brings us back to an understanding on how we act. Now, just in case you don't remember what love is, 1 Corinthians 13. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. Highlight that. <laughs> Marriages, highlight it in Jesus' name. And then underline it, okay, and then underline it. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's what love is. It's a whole lot of action represented in one value. A value of the home should be love that you can reference back to. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Ephesians 4.29, let every word that comes out of your mouth be a blessing to each other. Let it be a gift to each other. 
That should be happening inside of the home, right? Sacrificing, laying down your life for the sake of another should be inside of the home. Laying down your life as Christ loved the church should be the nature inside of the home. This is what we do. It's better to give than it is to receive. Should be something we do inside of the home. We're modeling these pieces. So value number one is love. The second one is responsibility. Two variables that if I boil it down to two values, these things flow out of the home. One is love. The second one is responsibility. What is responsibility? Everybody owns them. Everybody owns them. Sometimes we live in a place where we would much rather be best friend with our children than be the leaders of our children. The Bible says train a child in the way they should go. When they're older, they will not depart from it. Some of us trained our children to some chaos. We allowed them to live in it when they were in our home, so they are living in excess now, right? So our children now, their rooms should be cleaned. When they pull out the toys, they should put them back together, right? Now, everything I'm saying here today is where we're trying to go. I'm not speaking from a place of, like, pride. I'm like, this is what we do all the time. We struggling, okay? We're in the journey. We got a six- and three-year-old. But here's the mark. It gives some clarity on how we operate, things that we do and we're pushing for. We're not allowing life to happen. We are making life happen. We're not allowing our, the funk of the, the world to infiltrate our home. We're keeping a clear value system in our home that we change the dynamics of the home, that we raise children that change the world. That's how we operate. So responsibility is you own you. They're six years old. I'm like, pick up your chonas. That ain't my responsibility. Come on. Four years old or three years old. She's almost four. Next month she'll be four. You, you pick it up. You go get that. Hey, you do this, right? Hey, daddy, you know, daddy, uh, something's hurting. Can you pray for me? You're, you care about me? Come pray for me. It's, it's instituting behaviors in which God would want cultivated in our children's life. Do what you need to do. Own your space. Own your place. Be, nighty, uh, be needy. Uh, not needy. You need to be neat and tidy. There you go. It's responsibility. It's what we're called to do. It's a value of the home. It's what we do inside of our home. Proverbs 24, verse 3 through 4 say this, a house built on, by wisdom and uh, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. What is it saying? It takes wisdom, it takes knowledge in order to build a home that everybody in that house understands and is clear on what they're called to do. The third thing I'd leave you with is this. Number three. Number three. Numero three. Turn off the world to be present in the home. So you got God's established it. It's our responsibility. You're in this place now where um, you got to have some clear values inside of there. So with that, you got to make things memorable inside of the home and the responsibility and you have. But in order to, to make this a reality inside of the home, we got to be present. So what do you got to do? You got to turn off the world to be present inside of the home. We live in a culture here today where parents are so occupied in action outside of the home that they aren't present inside of the home. Maybe as I was talking today and I was saying, hey, do you remember what was going on in your home? Do you remember the parents, your parents' dynamics? Do you remember your parents being in the stands watching you do what you do? Do you remember your parents? Some of you guys are saying, no, I, I actually don't. My mom and my dad were working all the time. My mom and my dad were never present. My mom and dad, they always argued. My mom and my dad, they always, actually, my dad left my mom whenever I was this age, and, and he just didn't care. Or my mom left my dad whenever I was, and what the memories you have is parents that were disengaged. So caught up in the world and what the world had to offer that they were disengaged from the home. 
The, the, for us, last thing I'll leave you with is you, you got to leave the world in order to be present inside of the home. Maybe you're present. Maybe you are like, you're still married, you're in the dynamics, but work doesn't turn off whenever you get home. You step into the home and you're still on your phone, you're still jacking around with that. Oh, I got to email this person back, I got to do this. Well, you don't understand the life. And you're over here, you're present, but you're not present. You're present, but you're not present. You're present, but you're not present. You're still wrapped up in the world and its issues and all that it has. What are you trying to do? You're trying to be responsible with things outside of the home and being irresponsible with the things inside. Every child is a gift from God. It is a blessing that he's put into our hands. It is responsibility in which we have. We are called to be present inside of the home. You cannot overlook that. The four things you got to be present in inside of the home is one, you got to be mentally present. I'll give you four things. How are you present inside of the home? One, you got to be mentally present inside of the home. What does that mean? You are aware of the dynamics of everybody in the home. My wife is struggling with this. My husband is challenged with that. They've stepped into this. Are they walking in that? I understand what's going on. I mentally know what's going down in their lives. So now I can care for what they need. Some people look through their own lens the whole time that they completely overlook the responsibility of their spouses. They don't care. They're like, I don't care. I mean, it's him. It's what he's doing or what she's doing. I don't give a rip. They never try to offset that load. The reality is we've called to leave and cleave. We're all in on this. We're carrying each other's load. We do this together. Your responsibility is my responsibility. I care with you. If you need help, I'm going to support you through the journey. It's marriage. Mentally being present is I am aware of the issues going on in the home. My child is at this stage of development. They're struggling in this area of development. My responsibility is to strategically plan that they develop in areas that they can uh, be successful inside of life. If I got a a child that's got an attitude issue, well, it's my responsibility to be mentally engaged to help them navigate whatever issues they have to get them back into alignment. If they're having developmental issues, my responsibility is strategically develop mother and father to strategically help them develop and where they are at, right? They may not be a rocket scientist, but hey, you want them to be, to develop inside of life and grow. It's mental. You got to be mentally aware of what's going on inside of the home. The second thing I'd say you need to do is you got to be physically there. Now I get this conversation. Some people are like, well, I work this and I do that and I have to go and I have these responsibilities. I'm here and I'm there and blah, blah, blah. You have all those dynamics, yes. But as husbands and wives, you develop an understanding where you're on the same page that a husband or a wife can be out of the house for a period of time. It's conversations you have that you're on the same page, right? Just because you find yourself in a place where one job requires this or that, you can physically be present by being on Facebook. I mean, Facebook. (laughs) FaceTime, there you go. Facebook, you're like, what? FaceTime. What does that do? It puts you into the equation. You're like, hey, what's going on in the home? I see my kids. I'm having a conversation with them. It's not just like, I'm not there, so who cares? Figure it out, Barbara. Like, I don't care. It's I'm away, but I have the responsibility. So my, op- my options in this moment are I got to jump on a different avenue that I can stay connected to the family dynamic. I'm carrying over the situation. I'm going to grab dinner. You guys grab dinner. Put me in the middle of the table on FaceTime. 
so I can be a part of the conversation. Being creative that we're not disengaged. So there's conversations. But on the other side of that, maybe today we're removing ourselves from the responsibility of the home. So we'd much rather win outside of the home to feel good about ourselves because we don't feel like we're winning in the home. And today we're running away from the responsibility rather than accepting it and growing up and being mature, sticking to our commitments and sticking to the responsibility and being present. We'd much rather go hang out with the girls or the boys than be in the home hanging out with a family that desperately needs parents involved. We're not physically present. Be physically present. You've got to be physically in the place. However, you've got to work it. Talk that out. The third thing I would say is emotionally. You've got to be emotionally present. What is emotionally present is you're in the space to care over a person's concerns, their needs, their issues. If you're a husband inside of here, a woman does not want you to fix the problem. They just want to talk about it. They'll talk about the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And you just got to sit there and be like, I know, that is horrible. I can't believe that. I'm with you on that. I hear you, girl. That's crazy. Big problem. I know. I feel so bad for you. Don't offer a solution. It's not solution time. They just want to talk out emotions. That's it. They just talk the emotions out. Talk them out. What is this called? It's called the ministry of presence. I got two girls, two daughters. I got three girls in the home. My God. You know, oftentimes more is done through holding them than it is to from talking to them. About a month ago, um, a month ago, Heather was on call and she was walking through a a challenge. There's a family inside of our church. If you know Rosie and David, I think they're in this service. And um, they, they had their baby boy as their second child. And uh, his viability for life was only about 20 minutes. For whatever reason, his heart didn't kick in. And, and um, the little boy lost his life. And Heather's their, their doctor. And it's a challenge. And walking through that. And in that moment, you know, she's, she's dealing with, she's serving as Pastor Heather, doctor, you know, this whole situation. And I remember being in California and she calls me up and tells me what's just happened. Talk about devastation. Absolute devastation for everybody involved. Rosie and David, and we're still praying with them and they're still on the journey of healing and we're walking with them on that. But Heather's in the middle of it too. And I'm, I'm dad, I'm husband, I'm, I'm like, I, I got to be husband in this moment to care over what's going on. And I was walking and hiking with a few pastors up on top of this mountain. And my pastor, one of my pastors called me and he said, hey, man, what's going on? I said, oh, well, I'm actually just received the worst news ever. And I'm up here on top of this mountain trying to figure out what in the world to do. Like in the middle of this madness, like trying to gather it. And he says, well, that's why I'm calling you because I, because God placed you in my heart and I know I need to call you right now. I was like, what? And I just said, man, I don't know what to do. You got to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. He said, Brent, this is the ministry of presence. Get on a plane, get back to be with your family. Change the flights literally within, I think it was like five hours or whatever it was. I was back home in a car, driving to the hospital, walking in just to be present with my wife. 
I don't think we'll ever forget the embrace of walking into our call room and just hugging each other. It wasn't words. It was presence. There's no words that I could speak over a phone that would offset the pain in which she was walking through. It's the ministry of presence. Everybody in here can operate. If you're a mother and a father, you can never offset the ministry of presence to anybody else. It's your responsibility. When your kids look up in the stands, they need to see mom and dad. When your kids um, are living through life and they're walking through brokenness and pain, they have their first heartbreak or they fall and hit their head, they need a parent to operate in the ministry of presence to say, I'm not here to say anything. Maybe you do, but it's a ministry of presence that I'm gonna hold you and I'm gonna care for you and I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna emotionally can be present for you. I'm here. There's nothing else in the world that matters. No work commitment that I have, no other issue out in the the world, nothing that I can accomplish out there, nothing else that I could do that is more important than this, the ministry of presence. I could tell you right now, if any kid inside of here said, what is one thing you wish they could change about your childhood, more than likely they would say, my parents being present. My parents being there for me in the most vulnerable points that I had. Parents. I'll say it this way, parents. Let me see, let's get the quote up here that I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say it and I'll go back to spirituality. Presence trumps provision. Everybody can live on less, but you will never have enough money to pay for the lost time. Presence trumps provision. There's no amount of money you will ever make on this earth that will ever be able to pay for the lost time you have with your children. You can't, you will never be able to do it. You'll never be able to buy them anything that that will make up for what you did not do when they were children, for being present. There's no amount of money. So live on less today. Trust, live on less. If you make $100,000 less, oh, you are, you are providing a million dollars worth of value to your children. Know that. Win in the home. If you're going to win, win in the home. Who cares about winning in the world? Be responsible, do what you need to do, but win in the home. Last thing I'd say is being present is spiritually being present. Being the spiritual leader of the home. The word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We reference the word, establishing our house in the Lord. He who builds on these things, as Jesus said, you are building on a strong foundation. Build your house on the word. Be the spiritual leader. This is what God's word says. This is how we act. This is how we operate. God's word says. You want to be the spiritual leader. The first thing you can do today inside of your home to be the spiritual leader is step into that atmosphere, whether you're married or not married. Step into that atmosphere and claim spiritual authority over it. Grab some anointing oil or grab some olive oil. Walk around that house, anoint the tops of all the doorposts, attach, uh, uh, put a cross on the door, and begin to pray that God, this place and this space in which we are cultivating family will honor you for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Everything that happens inside of here will honor you. Whatever funks in the junk, you got to go. Whatever funks up in this junk, you got to go. This place is consecrated unto you, God. That's the whole point of anointing oil. They did with the, the original temple. Take some oily substance, uh, throw it over all the things in the temple. What is the temple? or What is the, the point? You are consecrating everything within back unto God. We have that authority to do over our homes. 
If you're a man inside of here, grab some anointing oil. Just the other day I was telling Heather, I'm like, man, we've been in this apartment long enough that there's a little bit of dust gathering up. And now you can start seeing the crosses on the doors. And you can see them across the doorposts. Come on, you want to get crazy? I say walk into your, your workplace. Come on, get fired for it. I don't know. I'm just a, start annoying the whole place, man. Jesus' name, come on. We want the places and spaces in which we operate in to be anointed, covered by God, blessed by God. We want our homes to have the authority of God in it. Husbands and fathers and men rise up and be spiritually present inside of the home. Lead. That's one way you can do it right now in your home. Grab grab an oily substance and consecrate that place back. Our responsibility, nobody else's responsibility, our responsibility. It's my home, my responsibility. Nobody else's responsibility. Just recently I heard this story of the, the quarterback for UTSA, and I know today UTSA is doing some, the football team's actually doing half decent. They're beating some decent teams and all that other stuff. Now here's the deal about their, somebody's really excited about Hey Amen, but Frank Harris is the, the quarterback's name. Well, Frank, Frank Harris comes from Clemens High School here in San Antonio in shirts. I don't necessarily like him because they always beat us in high school, but he comes from there and everybody has their start. He had 12 different offers to go to multiple different schools, but this is what he said. I want to stay home. I want to stay home. His dad told him, wherever you commit to, be a man of your word. What is it? The dad had a value system. Be a man of your word. When you say you're going to do something, commit. His heart was, I want to stay home. I'm just asking today is, as husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, what is your heart? Do you want to stay home? Do you want to be present inside of the home? You will have multiple different offers to go outside of the home to do a lot of different things. You'll have temptation. You'll have opportunity. There's multiple things that will lure you away from the responsibility. I pray you have Frank Harris's mentality. I want to stay home. I pray you have the heart of his father to say, your word is your word. When you commit, commit. It's your home, your atmosphere. You're committed to it. You're not walking away when there's a better opportunity. You're staying in the home. You're committing. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no's. Let's stand up to our feet today. And what I want to do to close out, what I want us to do to close out is whatever the dynamics of our family is, whatever the dynamics of our family are. You may have come from brokenness and you're saying, I don't know, pastor, how to do this. I just laid out how you can do it. Clearly, stay united. Be a man and woman of your word. Stay committed. Don't run like the world does. Stay committed. Be a person of value. Know what you stand for. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And with that, we're going to train some children up and the ways that they should go. That's what we're going to do. And what are we going to do? We're going to be present to do that. Mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, we're going to be present to do that. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, we've done it all wrong. Good. You have the realization that you've done it wrong. Now you can change it. What is insanity? Doing the same things over and over and over and over and over and over over again, expecting different results. If you're doing it wrong, now you can make it right based on what we just talked about here today. Maybe today the start for you is realizing the brokenness you operate in and the healing you need in your own life. 
you're still wounded from your own childhood. So you're not able to leave that space and step into an atmosphere where you can be cleaved to another individual. You're still broken. You need healing. You set the commitment on a day, but you're still operating in brokenness here today. Find healing. Maybe today you need forgiveness. You've messed up. You're sweeping it all underneath the rug, still to this day, sweeping it, sweeping it, sweeping it. I'm not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about this, and it's all underneath the rug. But there's forgiveness that's needed inside of your heart for the things in which you've done. Maybe if you're a young person inside of here, you need to call your parents and let them know, I am sorry for the decisions I made when I was a young person, that I hurt you this way, or I did these things, and I made these decisions, and I broke your heart. I'm sorry. I asked for forgiveness. Maybe it's the start of the journey of that relationship happening by realizing that you take ownership and responsibility of the choices you made in the home that hurt your parents. Wherever you're at, maybe your marriage just needs healing in here today. We have a prayer team up here. You can come forward and be prayed for. If you want to sit there, to, if you want to sit there and hold hands as a family, but we want you guys, we want healing in this house because the home matters. It's developing the next generation. And so goes the home, so goes the family, so goes the family, so goes this world. It matters to God. It should matter to us. Let's find healing and restoration here today. Amen. I'm going to pray. These guys are going to sing. Let's just close out here today in healing and restoration in our hearts, allowing the Holy Spirit to move. God, we come to you today. Multiple different places, multiple different stages, God, of life, all dealing with situations and issues, God, that Father, maybe you challenge us here today to be united inside of our home. Maybe there has been abuse or brokenness that, is, that has happened inside of the home that's brought hurt and pain and struggle. And today, God, we need healing in our hearts that, that Father, restoration can happen in relationships. God, maybe our marriage is in shambles. And Lord, we've had thoughts of commitment, walking away from it, based on the damage that's already been established. Holy Spirit, you know what to do you know how to do it. You know what to, you know where to, where, where to, what to fix. You know the, the things that need to change. You know the mentality that needs to change, God. So Holy Spirit, we say here today, have your way in this place. Have your way in our lives. Have your way inside of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray.